It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and you know, it, it's a little different to wake up to those morning thunderstorms. There's just a weird feeling about it. Guys, I know that it was, uh, it was a little dark this morning for a while, wasn't it? It was interesting how the uh, it was getting brighter out, and then all of a sudden it got real dark. It really? Almost like an eclipse. It was, and, and I know a lot of, I heard farmers say that their cows went right back to sleep and, and stuff <laughs> like that, so... Just weird, and I, Susan Littlefield, uh, you are in Lincoln right now, and you're just starting to get some of that, aren't you? Oh, we are. It's been crazy. We see the downpours of thunder and the lightning moving through, so it does. It, it feels like it's nighttime. Yeah, it, it was It was quite a deal, but it's uh, moving across the state right now. So uh, what do you got going on for us today, Susan? Well, we're going to find out more coming up at 1219. The Angler Journey continues today. We'll hear from the Executive Director of the Custer County Economic Development Corporation. His work actually focuses on providing technical resources for not only high schoolers, but rural entrepreneurs. So Alex will bring us that. Then coming up at 1245, Alex comes back in as Sarah Smith, a local foods consultant with the Nebraska Department of Education, shares some details about farm-to-school food programs in Nebraska. And then at 117, the opportunity is to learn more about what the Beef Checkoff does and the tie-in that they can do with other checkoffs to not only promote beef, but the products that go with it. All right. Very good. Thank you. Enjoy yourself there. Enjoy the view. Not, but it's raining, so you don't get the view from the office quite as well there. No, just a little bit of rain. Okay. All right. Well, enjoy the view anyway. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. Talk to you later. Bye. Turn it over to Brandon Bennett. Brandon's sitting in for Jason today for sports. And uh, what do you got going on today? Big announcement earlier today from the Nebraska Shrine Bowl. The 62nd annual All-Star High School football game. Again, going to be back in Ron and Carroll Cope Stadium at Foster Field at UNK. And some local guys that we all know and love. From the North team, Mark Mackey is going to be the head coach. He's at Lincoln High. But also Sandhill Stedford head coach Josh Dines, along with Grand Island Special Teams coordinator Paul Coltier, he's going to be on the North team. South team head coach this year is Ashland Greenwood's head coach Ryan Thompson, and Central City's head coach Troy Hubert going to be on the assistant coaching staff as well. So those, again, from across the state, going to see a lot of great football coming up next spring early summer in Kearney once again well you know and it's a lot of work for these guys because they've really got to scour and find the best players and and then got to find the next best players because a lot of those players can't make it so uh yeah it's a lot of work for them but it, but it's quite an honor for them right now and a great cause because all the proceeds of the game goes to benefit the shriner hospital for children across the nation absolutely that is a good thing thank you brandon i appreciate it we turn it over to dave schroeder sitting in here he wanted to sit in on a day when the dow jones was doing a little better than it was yesterday <laughs> yes, and it looks like that. that's the case after going down nearly 800 points i believe yesterday it's up right now Last I saw, right at 100 points. Yes, well, stocks are slightly higher in early trading right now. There is a report showing stronger-than-expected retail sales and a solid profit outlook from Walmart that could ally some concerns about the strength of the U.S. economy. And the main uh, hooking point there was uh, yesterday when the 10-year Treasury uh, slipped to 1.57% uh, following a sharp decline yesterday. So... Uh, some other things coming up, too. The Rural Main Street Index, we'll talk about that, too. Okay, Rural Main Street Index, always a good indicator, uh, that's for sure. That's all coming up on Midday. 
This is Alex Wojcicki with the Rural Radio Network. Join me every other Thursday for the Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. We hear from entrepreneurs from across the state to learn about their businesses, but more importantly, we learn about their journeys and how they got to where they are today. Interested in entrepreneurship? Join us to learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln every other Thursday at 1219 right here on 880-KRVN. And if you missed the program, you can listen to the podcast at ruralradio.com. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here and uh, just kind of an interesting morning thunderstorm passing. Yeah, some rough thunderstorms moving through this morning. Uh, no warnings that I saw. I don't know if you saw any. No, I didn't. But we had some significant weather alerts and where we were seeing some wind gusts up to about 40 miles per hour and some reports of some small hail. Main effect with these thunderstorms was some heavy rain. We did have a, a rainfall report come in from near the Kearney area of uh, over, just over an inch of rain. And it looks like here at the KRV studio, we had about 30 hundredths worth of rain from that system. And I, so. I heard some people talking about 60 hundredths in the Lexington area, too. So, so very, but boy, did it come down hard. Yeah. Yes, and, <laughs> and it looked like it was in the early morning hours instead of at 8.30 or whatever hour okay. it happened yeah. to be moving through your area. But right now we do have some strong thunderstorms over mainly southeastern Nebraska. The strongest of these thunderstorms from southwest of Lincoln to about the Crete area down to Fairbury. They're continuing to move off towards the southeast. It's all part of that large area of rain that continues to move to the east and southeast. The trailing edge of this rain right now from about Columbus down to York. Then to about the, oh, we'll call it Sutton area and Hebron area. Then to Belleville, Kansas, and that's all moving up towards the east and southeast. The Storm Prediction Center is watching part of southeast Nebraska into northeast Kansas for a potential watch. But right now, the chances for the watch are very unlikely. Just a 20% chance of a watch being issued there. Otherwise, you will see some clearing skies. If you haven't already behind this system, already those clearing skies to about Neely, to Albion, Grand Allen, and Hastings, uh, at least getting closer to, to those areas as this thunderstorm complex moves off towards the east and southeast. Temperatures, for the most part, low and mid-60s, but where they haven't seen as much rain and cloud cover in west-central Nebraska and northwest Kansas and on into the Panhandle, those temperatures more so in the 70s, including some upper 70s on into the Nebraska Panhandle. We will see those thunderstorms remain possible through tomorrow night as disturbances track southeast. Some of the storms could be severe, especially in south-central and southeast Nebraska into central and eastern Kansas. The Storm Prediction Center does have a slight risk for severe storms if you're along and east of a line from GI, from Grand Island to Smith Center to Hayes, Kansas. So once again, a slight risk along and east of a line from Grand Island to Smith Center to Hayes, Kansas. There's a moderate risk of severe thunderstorms or an enhanced risk, rather, of severe thunderstorms over northern Kansas, that enhanced risk in northeast Kansas. Thunderstorms may refire over southeastern locations later today after this system clears the region. Late tonight, yet another system may creep in from the west. That severe potential is lower for thunderstorms as we head towards tomorrow night into Sunday morning. The weekend and next week turn drier and warmer with the ridge of high pressure starting to build north from the southern plains. You can see that in our long-term forecast. Temperatures are likely to be warmer than normal for Tuesday through August 28th in Nebraska and Kansas. Looks like we're going to close out August on a warm note. The warmest air, though, more likely the middle of next week. Doesn't look like a big heat spill on the way because a lot of the heat will be well to our south. The rainfall outlook starts drier 
higher than normal in Nebraska and Kansas the middle of next week. But by next weekend through the 28th, near normal rainfall is expected. Probably a good thing that we're getting some of these thunderstorms right now in some areas. Now, the outlook for September is out. Nebraska and Kansas are likely to see seasonal or near-normal temperatures with near-normal to slightly above-normal rainfall. So once again, Nebraska and Kansas for the month of September, likely to see seasonal or near-normal temperatures and near-normal to slightly above-normal rainfall. The latest regional drought monitor is out for today. Nebraska improved three percentage points to 99% drought-free. Just some abnormal dryness from West Point to Tekema, just to the north of Omaha. Kansas improved three percentage points to 76% drought-free. Abnormal dryness to some moderate drought right along in the south of the line from Dighton to Lyons in south-central Kansas. Weather, fact, weather factors impacting the markets include a mixed rain outlook for the Midwest, a cool long-term outlook from the National Weather Service, and a brief hotter trend in the Black Sea region. In the Midwest, moderate to heavy rain over the northern and northwestern areas the next five days will be useful for crop moisture. Eastern Midwest areas will see lighter amounts with dryness concerns remaining. Midwest September temperatures likely to be mild and closely watched due to the slower-than-average crop development. Below normal temperatures are indicated over the northern plains for next month, which keeps that frost concern prominent in the Black Sea region. Russia and Ukraine saw an early week ground of heat, with temperatures reaching up near 90. That heat will move to the east and south at the end of the week here. No significant crop stress is expected for them. All right. Well, a return to normalcy for September. Huh? Yep, yeah, exactly. Whatever yeah, that near normal, means yeah. this year. So usually, you know, September, usually a pretty good month for weather. It looks right. like that will be the case. And luckily, we're not seeing anything in the way of colder than normal air. But just to the north, though, they are looking at the really? prospects over some colder air in the northern plains. So they are concerned because of the crop development very behind. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of us are fairly good shape around here that did get the crop in in time. Okay, I guess we'll see. Nothing's been normal this year, exactly. so, so who knows? Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. Celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. We know that if they learn how to figure things out, they can do anything they want wherever they want to. And we hope that by giving them those skills, offering them that growth opportunity, they find a home here to build what they want. Thanks for joining. Today's entrepreneurship journey is taking us down a different path, a path that takes a look at providing resources to entrepreneurs. Andrew Ambries is the executive director of the Custer County Economic Development Corporation, and he's played a pivotal role in this effort. So what we want to addresses two things. The perception that entrepreneurship isn't just building the next Facebook or the next Uber. Entrepreneurship is business ownership and business development. And two, we want to make them more aware of the opportunities and the avenues that you can get that technical assistance so that you don't feel like you have to be an expert before you start. To do this, Andrew says he's been building partnerships with technical assistance organizations like the Nebraska Business Development Center and even banking institutions. He's also had conversations with the Angler Program to build entrepreneurial infrastructure in schools. That is hard for the educational institutions to to grasp, right? Why do we need to teach students entrepreneurship? And we're not teaching business skills, we're teaching mindset. And so what we have done is we have a great infrastructure here called the Capable Program, which focuses on workforce skills and so forth. 
because of that, we've actually implemented a CAPS program, which is Career Professional Studies. So that is kind of taking the place of an existing program called Youth Leadership Custer County, which takes students from all six of our Custer County school districts and puts them in a room, teaches them leadership concepts, and asks them to do things they wouldn't otherwise do, so like a Shark Tank Day. But the CAPS program has kind of taken the place of that. So what we're starting to build is an iteration of youth leadership that's more aligned with a builder's program. Andrew says that by offering entrepreneurship programs in high school, students are able to think more creatively. We know the potential that students have, and there are several examples. Even here in the community, they came up with a really interesting concept. One of them uh, actually works here in the community now. But when he was in the program, he made branded trailer hitch covers that had the Broken Bow High School logo on them and basically turned it into a big thing, and now you'd be hard-pressed not to find one. But nobody was thinking about doing that. And so this, this program just gave him a platform to be creative and to try something. And when we give our students that opportunity to be creative and give them the opportunity to risk something without fear of failure or judgment because of it, really great things can happen. Andrew says the biggest issue he sees in rural entrepreneurship is the perception that success cannot be achieved in small communities. One of his main goals through CEDC is to change that perception to grow rural Nebraska. The growth of our economy is going to be largely focused on accommodating entrepreneurs, especially in the very near future. Not only because they're creating jobs, but because they create community. When an entrepreneur opens up shop you know, and there's places all across the state of Nebraska. Sainert's Bakery or the Odyssey in Hastings or uh, Kinkader or Scratchtown Brewery. Those entrepreneurs, not only do they create a business, but they create an atmosphere, a flavor. And I believe that that entrepreneurial flair is what's going to create thriving and attractive communities, especially in rural areas. If you'd like to learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, visit angler.unl.edu. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. Well, time for us to take a look at sports and see what's going on. And it is sort of a slow time for sports as we get ratcheted up quite a bit. Brandon Bennett's in here with us in the studio. And, uh, you know, one of the stories I was kind of looking at, some of the things that you had there, and you're going to talk a little bit about the Superdome in New Orleans getting a bit of a facelift. And, you know, that that thing, I mean, that thing's iconic, but you think of what happened to the Astrodome and the, Correct. Uh, what is the, the King Dome and right. the Silver Dome. I mean, a lot of those domes are the Hubert H. Humphrey Metro Dome mm-hmm. have all gone away, but that thing kind of hangs in there steady. The Superdome has endured. Yes, and it has. maybe it's just because it's super. Maybe. But it made it through Katrina and wasn't a focal point of Katrina. And one of the great things about the Superdome is how big it is, and people don't realize that you can take the old Houston Astrodome and fit it inside the Superdome. You can take the aforementioned Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome up in Minneapolis and fit that inside the Superdome. It's that big. big. And yet, given all of its trials and tribulations, especially during Katrina, it has endured. Hmm. So cool. Speaking of football and all the things that happen in the aforementioned Superdome, today, earlier this morning, the coaches for the 62nd Annual Shrine Bowl of Nebraska were announced. 
The following high school football coaches will represent the North and the South teams, respectively. The head coach for the North team next year, Mark Mackey, head coach at Lincoln High. The assistant coaches, Rusty Fuller, head coach at St. Paul, Josh Dines, Fairly close to KR, the heart of KRV Nation here. The head coach at Sand Hill Stedford. Good to see a D2 head coach represented on this. Brian Sukup, head coach at Blair. A.J. Santos, defensive coordinator for Lincoln Eye. And Paul Coulter, who is the special teams coordinator at Grand Island. The south side of the squad, head coach Ryan Thompson. He's also the head coach at Ashland Greenwood. Nice to see a C1 coach there. Get some head coaching love for He's the Triangle. He has, hasn't he? Evan Klinecki, the head coach at Centennial. Jay Landstrom, head coach at Omaha Central. Troy Huber. Head coach at Central City. There's a C1 school there. And Nate Tonjes, offensive coordinator at Ashland Greenwood. So nice to have an offensive coordinator and a head coach both playing together. And Brant Louie, the running backs coach at Scott Catholic. 62nd annual Shrine Bowl game, as always. Played at the University of Nebraska, Carney Ron and Carroll Cope Stadium at Foster Field. It's going to be set for Saturday, June the 6th. So we're not just talking about football coming up in the next weekend or 3 or 30. It's We're talking football next June, so that's all good. Speaking of the Superdome, the iconic Dome Stadium that's home to the Saints football team will be getting a facelift, and no small one, $450 million before it hosts its next Super Bowl scheduled for 2024. Upgrades to the 44-year-old stadium, which makes it almost as old as Scott Foster, as part of John Governor John Bell Edwards' ongoing negotiation with the NFL team aimed at keeping the Saints in Louisiana for another 30 years, state official on the Bond Commission approved the financing plans without objection yesterday. The vote sets in motion the improvements to the spaceship-like building that became a symbol of the aforementioned New Orleans recovery after Hurricane Katrina. Louisiana's contract with the Saints, negotiated by former Governor Bobby Jindal's administration in 2009, runs through 2025, which means you've got to start thinking about it now. Edward says the Superdome renovations are central to striking a new 15-year contract with a 15-year extension option and five years after monet edwards pitched her way into the hearts and minds of sports fans everywhere and onto the cover of sports illustrated little league world series is welcoming another female player mandy frecking is a starting second baseman on the team from coon rapids minnesota which played the team from carney little connection there also represent the midwest region the little league world series which starts today she'll be just the 19th girl in history to play in the 72-year history of the Little League World Series and she'll be the first since Davis in 2014. Minnesota will opening will be play opening day against the team from Bowling Green, Kentucky, representing the Great Lakes region. So nice to see the next round of youngsters out there and how many of those end up making the world making the uh, major leagues, not a great number, but always great to see Little League baseball. Cool stuff. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Well, we've reached the midway portion of the midday program, and time for us to check in with KRVN News. And in studio with me is Dave Schroeder. Good morning, Dave. Well, good yes, good afternoon, Scott. (laughs) It sure seems that way, doesn't it? A central Nebraska school principal has been arrested on suspicion of drunken driving. Authorities say Lee Wolf's blood alcohol content was twice the legal limit after he was stopped around 7 p.m. Sunday evening on U.S. Highway 30 in Central City. Wolf is principal of Shoemaker Elementary in Grand Island. He says in a statement that he feels terrible about how it reflects upon Shoemaker, Grand Island Public Schools, himself, and his family. 
In Omaha, police are investigating the death of a man whose body was found in a northeast Omaha parking lot. Officers found the body late Wednesday night after responding to a report of a shooting. The man's name hasn't been released. No arrests have been reported. A man already sentenced to prison for firing at Iowa officers during a chase has been given Nebraska prison time. William Stanfill III was sentenced Tuesday in Papillion to 30 to 45 years. Authorities say Stanfill fired at a man who chased Stanfill after Stanfill sped through the man's Bellevue neighborhood last year. Stanfill and a woman crashed into a southwest Iowa river during the chase next day. He was sentenced to 30 years in Iowa. Tyson officials say a spark from a welding during maintenance is likely the cause of that fire that damaged the company's plant in Holcomb last week. Tyson representatives met with Kansas and other government officials to discuss the cause of the fire that caused extensive damage. No one was injured. KWCH reports the company reaffirmed its commitment to rebuild the plant and reopen it as quickly as possible. Company officials say the fire damaged a small area but affected critical operating systems. The company's president and CEO, Noel White, and Steve Stouffer, the president of Tyson Fresh Meats, told officials that work would begin immediately on structural damage. Other repairs, particularly electrical, will likely take more time. Meanwhile, the company is currently completing a full assessment of the plant with electrical and structural engineers. An Iowa-based grocery store chain is warning customers about what it says is a security incident involving payment card systems. Hy-Vee said it's launched an investigation after it detected unauthorized activity on some of its uh, payment processing systems. And they say that the activity the company thinks had stopped already. Well, that's a check of news, Scott. I'm Dave Schroeder. All right. Thank you so much, Dave. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined on the phone by Sarah Smith. She's the local foods consultant with the Nebraska Department of Education. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Alex. Well, school is beginning for many students, and there are a few opportunities you guys have for schools to take part in ag education and a little bit of uh, nutrition. So for starters, we're going to talk about the Nebraska Thursdays program. Tell us a little bit more about this program. Right, so Nebraska Thursdays is offered statewide, and the goal of this program is to bring as much local food to the plate on the first Thursday of the month. And so we have a a web portal where schools are able to register, and once they register, they have an opportunity to um, receive lots of different resources that are just available for Nebraska Thursdays participants with the goal of really promoting uh, the variety of local food that can reach the plate here in Nebraska. And as we were talking before we got recording, there is there are some mini-grants available. They're due August 30th. Tell us about how schools can apply for this grants and who's even eligible. Great. So, yeah, so we do have some funds. This is the first time with our farm-to-school work at the Department of Ed that we're able to offer mini-grants for this type of thing. And so the funds came from the Nebraska Dry Bean Commission with the goal that schools can use up to $500 to just kind of take that next step forward with farm-to-school efforts and um, getting the local food for the plate. And so these mini-grants are available just for the Nebraska Thursdays registered schools. So it's a pretty simple process for schools to jump on the website and register for Nebraska Thursdays. And then from there, they're able to apply for a mini-grant. 
What feedback have you got since you guys started this Nebraska Thursdays program? You know, students are um, interested in where the food is coming from, and they are. Uh, we do hear that there's increased participation on Nebraska Thursdays uh, days. We're also hearing some excitement that schools can kind of band together and and participate in a state branded program. So, whether or not you know you're on the eastern edge of the state or northeast or Northwest or the Panhandle, you know, any school statewide can jump into this program and make it fit for them. So it's unique per district or even per site, whether schools are really um, celebrating local beef on the plate or maybe they're celebrating local fruits and vegetables that are in season on the fruit and vegetable bars. It just really, we're trying to provide the templates and the resources for schools to communicate what work they are doing. Yeah, you kind of touched on some projects that schools were doing. What examples of projects are they doing? Well, some exciting work that's really unique in Nebraska are the local beef programs. And a lot of outside organizations are becoming involved, like the Nebraska Beef Council and the Nebraska Cattlemen and Cattlewomen. Some schools are receiving some donated product for that and even the processing. And then we see some FFA students that have even donated beef. And so they are there to uh, promote where the animals were raised and um, and there when the students are going through the line and there's just a click and an understanding of oh this is where the food is coming from here in our state. There's also some interesting greenhouse projects where schools are growing uh, produce in the greenhouse and then getting some of that onto the fruit and vegetable bars. And I mean there's also some distribution happening with the distributors in the state and with local food hubs as well, where there's direct connections to fruit and vegetable growers in the state, and that food's making it onto the plate in Hebron at Bayer Central. It's making it on the plate at Overton and Omaha Public Schools. So it's exciting to hear about the farms and the students that are growing food and involved in, the, in that process and the local ranchers as well. And another opportunity you talked about was a Harvest of the Month program. Tell us about this program. We were funded through a Nebraska Department of Agriculture grant to build the Nebraska Harvest of the Month program. And so we've taken nine fruits and vegetables that are available across the state at different times of the school year and built some tools and promotional items around those products so schools can feature one item a month. Um, And the materials are really pretty beautiful, and they were designed just for us here in Nebraska. And so we have large posters that can be printed. We have some of these materials available that we can ship to schools. So um, we're excited about this program as well. It's just it's another entry point for grabbing those local items that are available in the state and getting them into some of our, our larger purchasing entities here, which are schools. Is there anything else on any of these topics that we missed? Um, the only other thing I want to push out there is that we are competing as a state against a total of 10 states in our region on uh, Farm to School Month is in October, and we're doing a crunch-off competition. And so we're hoping that Nebraska can have the most participation per capita of all the states so we can get the crunch-off trophy. And the, the goal is to have as many people in the state crunch into a local produce item on October 24th or any day in October. 
And so there's a information on our website for that as well, and that is a registration so we can count the numbers. So here at the Department of Education, we will be doing this on October 24th, and we're going to be uh, prompting other agencies and departments to be doing this as well, and then getting the word out to schools who want them to participate, because it's a really fun way to um, to try some new foods and, and do a, a group activity like that. So just encourage folks to sign up for that that registration link is currently open. Lots of great things happening through the Nebraska Department of Education, and that website is education.ne.gov. From the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Well, after a bad day on the U.S. stock exchange yesterday, the world markets uh, responded likewise. The German DAX index down again at 79. The London FTSE was down 79 also. The Japanese Nikkei was down 246 points, but the Hong Kong Hang Seng go figure was up 194. Here in the United States right now, the Dow Jones Industrial Averages are down 112 points. That's after being up by as many as 150 earlier in the day. The NASDAQ down 52 and the S&P is down 12. Dave Schroeder's in here with us. Uh, what do you what do you got for us? Dave? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, stocks have been moving between slight gains and losses as Wall Street tries to recover from that day of big losses yesterday. A report showing stronger than expected retail sales and a solid profit outlook from Walmart appear to have allied some concerns about the strength of the U.S. economy. The rural Main Street Index drops to its lowest level in two years, and trade war is having negative impacts. The rural Main Street Index fell below growth neutral to its lowest level in almost two years. Three of four bank CEOs surveyed report that the trade war was having a negative impact on their local economy. Seven of ten bankers support continuing or even raising tariffs on imported Chinese goods. And Business, conduct, uh, business Conditions Index slumped to 46.5 from 50.2 last month. On that note, with Walmart, Walmart is raising its annual outlook after a strong second quarter, due in part to strong online grocery deliveries. Uh, sales at stores opened at least a, uh, rose to at least 2.8%. It's the 20th consecutive quarter in the right direction for the company. The world's largest retailer continues to hold enough sway to keep prices low, even as its costs are rising and it's pushing its online operations aggressively to counter that from Amazon.com. And, Scott, that's a check of the latest in uh, uh, financial information today. All right. Thank you, Dave. Uh, you're right, Walmart, uh, one of the big gainers today. General Electric, one of the losers. That just uh, still blows my mind in oil prices down to $54 a barrel. Thanks a lot, Dave. <laughs> Did you know there's collaboration opportunities with the Beef Checkoff and other checkoffs? Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Joan Ruskamp, who's a Nebraska beef producer and a former Beef Board chairman, talks about the work that they can do with other checkoff organizations. All right. Um, so, for example, let's just look at the export um, market that we're, we're growing. You know, we've got North Korea, Japan, Mexico, and, and, you know, we can't do policy, so we can't influence the trade agreements. But what we can do is build demand in those countries 
for uh, the people who live there to get that beef. And so Japan um, is paying a lot for U.S. beef because of the tariffs, um, and they would love to see something happen. And so hopefully our policy groups will be very active and, and continue strong in that category. But on the checkup side, we're just working on the people, right, and the people who want to eat the beef. But for the foreign export market, um, USMEF is our contractor. They also get um, what's called MAP money. So the government has funds to help um, agriculture build uh, partners around the world. And so sometimes it's a, it's a partner. So if we, give, if we give $9 million into USMEF, the government will almost match it dollar for dollar. If we only give five, then they'll only give five and such like that. And so even just um, our taxpayer dollars that are allocated, they're allocated for this type of work to help promote our agricultural products around the world. Um, that's a really great story m many people don't know, but really it's, it's anyone who's involved in the beef space and, or veal because the checkoff is collected by beef and veal. Um, we can be partners with. And so um, there's a really cool product. I don't know how many people have heard of it because we aren't seeing it yet really in the, the deli space or snack, but it's called Beef She. And so if, you, if people are familiar with sushi rolls, uh, little California rolls, the, um, the prepared meat category with like salami, bologna, pastrami, even roast beef, they've developed um, these cool little Beef She products that have like the rice, the the roast beef and it's and and other types of ingredients to make it taste really cool, and they roll it up like a sushi roll and then cut it and um, they're, they've been going over really well. It really came out last year, and so um, we're excited to see how much they're going to grow that. So you get you get a great product and then you really want to expand it out, just like Chuck knows beef um, through the smart speakers, and so it's exciting it's an exciting time for the checkoff because we know what the work we're doing is giving us a return on investment and so how do we keep pushing that and stretching that dollar um, I mean we're for sure gonna do it um, and hopefully as long as we can right um, I think everybody pretty much knows there's there's challenges all the time uh, to having things like beef in the diet and so we're preparing for the dietary guidelines and, and the nutrition and expertise we have from our research. It's, it's not research that can be disputed. It's farmers and ranchers invest in research that we can count on because this is our livelihood. And so many people will say, why should I trust research from the beef industry when you guys make your living from that? Well, it's because we make our living from it, right? Um, we have to have solid research to help us tell the value and benefits of cattle in the environment and beef in the diet. And so that's our story, and we have a great story to tell. Comments coming from Joan Ruskamp. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Grain markets ended mixed today. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network, and with us, John Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. Could this be attributed to spreading by the trade today? I think there's a lot of movement going on. I think the, the big surprise from where we see is why beans are so weak kind of must point towards the problems you're having in the emerging markets. You know, the report on Friday, or on Monday, rather, was 
I'm say one of the bullish, most bullish soybean reports you've had in years. It's obviously lost with a lot of what's going on in corn, but with acreage, if you truly believe those acres, and we're down to 70, 76 million, I mean, we don't have a lot of room to lose any yield. Even even with demand where it is, I mean, you're still hacking away at the carryout by 200, 300 million bushels. So to see us down here 870 tells me that there's probably some problems here, either with old crop supplies that need to clear, or you know maybe some China news that just isn't that friendly. But uh, I would like to think that we can avoid a retest of that low from from late last week, which is or late two weeks ago, which is right around the 855 level. But at this point, it looks like it's head there. And you look at soybean meal today; the export sales were pretty good, despite that. Though we ended lower. Yeah, and the exports. I think you got to be careful chasing them. You know, moving over like a livestock market like hogs had China in the market today. You would think that that would get the market excited. It wasn't. We closed two dollars down. So, um, it, I don't think that fundamental news here are going to drive the trade in my opinion these next two weeks just they're of the of the year these are probably more the two bearish seasonal weeks of the year you have producers who need to sell old crop corn you have the harvest starting in the southern part of the country um, there's a lot of product moving around as far as wheat that needs to clear so uh, when that supply becomes available the price of late has tended to get cheaper and i wouldn't be shocked to see a test of 360 next week without any real bullish news on the weather front uh, the crop tours will take off but again i think that's more of a of a, of a story that's going to get the trade moving after the first of the month so if you are waiting to buy i would wait i would be patient put orders in maybe five seven cents down because i just think you're going to see this market melt as we uh as we move product next week so your gut feeling is there's a, a time for uh let's say a downward movement on maybe in the short term but medium term we could possibly go higher absolutely i mean if you look at where march is 380 i mean i think there's a really good chance we're going to expire and deliver corn better than 380 you know, three months, four months from now, whatever that is, five, six months from now. So uh, at this point, you know, this is a momentum trade. Again, the, the cash markets are going to be uh, be in charge here, at least over the next two weeks. I know that everybody wants to talk about the, the acreage and the USDA report, but that might be secondary here. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. You can go to their website, get more information. It's at danielsagmarketing.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. That's going to do it for our midday program here on April, August 15th. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com.